So, here I am today, sitting around on Thanksgiving, hanging out with my friend, taking a look at people's lives who still live in the world of the sheeple. People are polite for the most part, um, but I found myself kind of sitting and thinking about the fact that there were people elsewhere who were struggling through life while we were watching a football game. There were people elsewhere who were maybe not eating anywhere near as well, if at all, as we were. And contemplating on the fact that the average person is in no way conscious of this. They just kind of let it go. Passes over their head. The fact that there are things happening elsewhere in the world. That there are people that are not doing as well. I think one of the things that hits me the hardest about it is that the reason that we're doing so well in the United States, at least as well as we are for as much longer as we are, is because of the fact that this country has pillaged and taken control of the resources of so many other countries. And there are a lot of people in this country who are simply not conscious of that. They just don't have any idea that that's where the fortunes that they're participating in, essentially their life, the lifestyle that they're participating in came from, is through exploiting the resources of others. And it amazes me how ignorant people are about it and how ignorance is definitely bliss. It just lets them go about their day eating their food having their 2.5 kids and driving their gas guzzler car while people in third world countries aren't doing anywhere near as well. It's kind of scary, actually, just how little people really know about what's going on in the rest of the world. And more to the point, a lot of people do know. They They are aware. But we keep coming back to that effect that there are so many people that are just willfully blinding themselves. In fact, that's an excellent analogy. It's people who kind of go through their path in life, and just like a horse, you know, like when you have a horse-drawn carriage, you have blinders on both sides of the horse to be sure that the horse can't see what else is going on. And... The difference is, is that's an animal, and it doesn't have any choice. But we do have a choice. And we choose to put those blinders on. We choose to block out the reality of what's going on around us. And that's really unfortunate. But I noticed as my involvement with the Occupy movement continues that as this carpet, so to speak, that we're all walking on gets pulled out from under us, people do become more and more conscious. It makes me wonder how many more people who 
right now are doing so well, who are solidly on the right, you know, how many more of them and their attitudes are going to change when they see that taken away from them? When the reality of the situation becomes more real? <laughs> when reality becomes more real? Right now, uh, my friend's parents are trying to suggest that he should move to what was it, North Dakota or South Dakota, where I guess there's a job boom. I guess my question is, how long will it last? I'm going to have to investigate that and find out what caused it. Why would there suddenly be a job boom there? What industry is taking over over there that's different? And what is that state doing differently than the state of Michigan, which used to be one of the job centers of the world. You look at Detroit now, you think back on the history of that place, the different people that have lived there, and the different lives that they led, and you find yourself really taking in the ghost that Detroit has become. The ghost of once being a huge manufacturing giant that now is a shadow of its former self. A decaying, rotting corpse that used to be a hustling, bustling pinnacle of industry. And it actually brings me back to the thoughts about the football game. What is a football game? It's kind of the bread and circuses we were talking about earlier. Because a football game is basically a reenactment of so many different, of the more primal aspects of our existence. The football game is the gladiatorial arena of these time periods. It's the thing that we watch, you know, so that we can have the benefit of battle without having, uh, you know, any of the death. You know. And brings me back to one of the things Jacques Fresco used to say about how they used to feed Christians to lions for entertainment. Now people's childrens of the you know children of those day those days enjoyed that they thought that was suitable uh entertainment so in some ways, mankind obviously has evolved you know we don't feed Christians to lions, but we do drop bombs on Muslims um or well, I mean to say that is kind of distracting from the point. Uh, anybody, regardless of religion, who has access to resources that our empire, being the empire of the United States, needs, will suffer the same fate. And they'll come up with whatever excuse they want. But you know, back to the football game. You know, uh, there was a person upstairs who was while I was watching the football game, he was getting really angry because the Detroit Lions were not winning. 
and get very angry at the refs, get very angry at things that were going on, frustrated. And a lot of people kept asking, so what's the score in the game? How's the game? And I realized I was just like, wow, you know, right now there's real wars going on, being fought over resources that we could be sharing, that we could be using to ensure a good life for everyone. And they're not being utilized you know, for that. They're being utilized for a few or the many. But it just keeps coming back to that. The, the borrowed time that the American citizen is living on uh, before one of two fates happens. Either everything collapses out from under us or people finally get sick of it. And if, you know, I shudder to worry about this, but or to think about this, but what will be the response of the Imperials behind the way that the United States government conducts its foreign policy that will be the catalyst? What will be the, the thing that they make up to justify why the entire world is finally sick of us being the big bullies who you know, have control of everything? I wonder, you know, what spin there will be on that. And I wonder how many of these people will believe it. Just like the same people who believed that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, who I still encounter from time to time, or the people who believe that Iraq was part of 9-11. It's stuff like that that people go through in their minds I'd have to say it's the biggest tyranny of all is the tyranny over one's own mind your ability to control the way you react to sensory input in such a way as to be sure that the 1% so to speak of your conscience is not exposed to what is going on 99% of the time <laughs> I guess that's one way of putting it but I also notice the way that the kids are raised nowadays. A lot of has changed in that regard. And being a parent myself, I'm still trying to kind of come to terms with what I what I want to do about that. But uh, as far as that, but you know the the things that children find important, you know the things that they find to be uh, a crisis. You know, if they don't get a certain toy or they don't get, you know, uh, a game or something that they wanted, then that's a reason to be upset. And it translates immediately. You ask yourself, have these children ever wanted for anything? How would these children react if their lights didn't turn on anymore? How would these children react if their heat didn't turn on anymore? How would these children react if there wasn't any special food? If they didn't have Christmas anymore, if they didn't have Thanksgiving anymore, that's, you know, how would they cope with that? Because right now they can't cope with, well, anything being denied to them. And what makes me even, wor you know, feel worse about that is that as the generations become, quote unquote, more entitled as time goes on, you have to ask yourself, you know, if we're wondering where we get this attitude that we, you know, as a people, have the right to take so much 
while so few, you know, for so few, while so many have so little, you know, where does that originate? You know, and when you see our children raised that way, it's kind of inevitable, really, that that's the, the way that they're going to grow up, that that's the value system that they're going to grow up with. And the reason that I don't have it is that my mother taught me how to share, and my mother was very big on, you know, reverse psychology. You know, uh, think about the, the other child and how they feel. And I just don't see that as much as I used to. You know, I see a lot of kids that I would rather my children never played with, and it's not because I'm stuck up. It's because they are. <laughs> You know, um, I just don't want my kids to have that value structure. And I hope someday when my children grow up and maybe they'll be listening to this recording, they're more conscious of these things that I'm talking about, that I'm surrounded by people who are just not conscious of. So there's this picture that I have on the fans of the radio Facebook page. It's called Define Necessity. And you see a typical American uh, Christmas tree surrounded with presents. And then you see a little African child, you know, whose stomach is distended and is probably not going to live, you know, more than a few more months. And it really puts into perspective the way that we as a species have come to change the way you know, we perceive things. I mean, well, you know what? No, that's nonsense. That this isn't new. That this is the same kind of crap that we've been seeing for generations and generations. It, it is really. Um, I mean... There were nobles who were suggesting that people should eat cake <laughs> while other people are starving because they had too much cake in their particular table. You know, those are things that are, you know, but they are also steadily improving, you know, as technology increases. That's true. So I guess the question is um, more along the lines of will mankind evolve again? And can we evolve this time? to a situation where everybody can take care of everyone and everyone can be taken care of? Or will we evolve into a situation where capitalism kind of takes us in the direction of self-destruction? You know, will our next evolution be our destruction? Will we evolve to a point where we as a species have decided, you know, that it's it's better that we want or that we can have the right to, as they say, trade. This is what the anarcho-capitalists are all big on. You know, they should have the right to trade and that they should have the right to have more than everyone else. And it's not to say that people should not gain the benefit of their work. That's not the issue. The problem is is that that seems to be the issue. They, they, they disguise it with all these other flowery words. But the reality is is that they want the freedom to be elite. They want the freedom to be better than everyone around them. And they want the freedom to play the Monopoly game. And it's funny, when I listen to arguments between anarcho-capitalists and anarcho-communists, there's this anarchism Facebook page that somebody added me to a long time ago. And 
it's pretty much just endless fighting between the anarcho-socialists slash communists and the anarcho-capitalists there, endlessly saying that the other group is not actually anarchists, endlessly fighting about economic theories, you know, about how oh, this side is bad, no, this side is bad, oh, this side is bad, and I just kind of chuckle because neither system is sustainable, really. Uh, we can't continue to produce finite, you know, infinitely on a planet with finite resources, and that's what drives any capitalist economy. But we also, I mean, we can't do the patches of it that you would see, you know, from socialism. Wealth redistribution, the idea that I should be able to take away from someone else, you know, is also not correct. You know, but, and neither is sustainable. Neither of those systems really address the core issue. And the core issue is that we have so many resources on the planet, and we have so much energy on the planet, and that if we continue going in the direction that we're going, we're going to find ourselves without a planet. You know, keeps coming back to that argument I made a long time ago. Capitalists are all about their rights, their right to private property and all that jazz, you know, and it's just something that does not do well in a circumstance of scarcity. Inevitably, somebody is doing considerably better, and that gap is actually getting bigger and bigger, and they claim government is the cause of it all the time. Oh, it's government, government, government. You know, or the other term they use is the the monopoly on force that the government has. But when you go into an anarcho-capitalist situation, the stuff that they decide, they talk about, is that everybody should just have their own private security force, you know, that there shouldn't be public anything. So that just sounds dangerously like he who is richest therefore has the largest army. That sounds dangerous to me. So, one bit of irony that's not lost on me is the fact that the Thanksgiving holiday in of itself was essentially based on celebrating the idea that when European settlers came to the Americas, Native Americans took it upon themselves to help them survive the harsh winters. And sort of the whole turkey jazz and all that comes from... Somebody actually posted a link recently on Facebook that I'm going to be checking out, but it has to do with the myth of Thanksgiving. I confess I haven't researched enough of it yet, but essentially, regardless of whatever happened there, what happened next is well known. And it basically amounts to you know, an excessive amount of bloodshed, genocide, all based around the idea of chasing down resources. And being willing to do anything to get them. And all of the issues that followed next, all of the just the endless killing, just fighting endlessly over resources. Resources that there were plenty in abundance to go around. And then when you study all the work with the that went into the Indian Removal Act. You know, as much as people talk about Andrew Jackson being their hero because he got rid of one of the Federal Reserves, 
which is great. He also signed the Indian Removal Act into law, which led to the forced removal of the Cherokee, the Trail of Tears, and essentially the set the foundation for um, Native American relations for the American government for years to come. And so the Thanksgiving holiday itself is getting together to have a feast to honor a feast that supposedly took place you know, back with the first settlers where the Native American people and the settlers of the time came together in fellowship to thank one another and to celebrate their newfound friendship. And while I doubt the original settlers had anything to do with what happened next, it doesn't change the fact that what happened next was a typical result of the way that a capitalistic society, when engaged in imperialism, reacts. Kind of goes right up there with the Columbus Day issue. The fact that Christopher Columbus, and you know, we get taught about what he did, you know, how he, you know, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, how he eventually discovered the United States continent, or the continent that would become the United States, and uh, they kind of paint him like a hero or, you know, some kind of visionary of his time. They always leave out the part that he basically wrote that the local savages would be passive and that they were foolishly trusting and that it wouldn't really require much to annihilate them or to enslave them. That part is not uh, generally taught in history class. There's so much actually that's left out of our history about a lot of these issues that I think if people really took in they'd have about as hard time taking that holiday seriously as I do. I mean, yeah, I like eating turkey as much as the next person, but I stopped thinking of it as a holiday a long time ago.